Hey Logo Geeks, it's Ian Padgett here. I'm back with another podcast that's created to help you make a living designing logos. On this week's show, I'm going to be joined by Liam Jackson to discuss how he became a full-time freelance designer and the differences between working in-house at an agency and as a freelancer. But before we get into that, I want to thank the sponsor of this week's episode, The Perfect Match, a game where designers submit mood boards created using Adobe Stock Assets. And if your amazing mood board design is chosen, you will be featured on Adobe's monthly live streaming game show with other talented designers, art directors and creatives where the winner will go home with $1,000. It's totally free to participate in the perfect match and by simply submitting an entry, Adobe will give you a gift for your time. So it's a real win-win. To learn more about that and to enter, visit theperfectmatch.co forward slash play. So one of the best things about creating the Logo Geek community on Facebook is the people that I've met over the years and the close friendships I've developed uh, with those people. And one of those people is Liam Jackson, who's going to be the guest on today's podcast. I vividly remember the first time I met Liam. Uh, It was at a London design festival several years ago where Michael Beirut was speaking Uh, He recognized me from across the room, ran over, introduced himself. And since then, we became really good friends. Uh, We spoke a lot online. We met up uh, a few times now. But not only is he a a good friend, but he's also an incredibly talented graphic designer, uh, one of the best I know. And he has a really interesting story to tell too, which is why I wanted him to come on the podcast. So I think when you're a young designer or if you're considering to become a graphic designer, you might assume that you'll get your dream job straight out of university. And some people can do that, but most of us need to work really hard to get to where you want to be. And Liam's one of those people. So today he's a full-time self-employed freelance graphic designer based in London But it wasn't a straightforward journey to get to that destination. So in today's interview, we're going to discover how he first got into graphic design, how he got his first jobs and intern placements as a graphic designer, and how he eventually became a full-time freelancer. We also compare the differences between working in-house versus at an agency versus freelance and we end the conversation talking about his podcast see through design which he co-hosts with another mutual friend Kaz who was also on the podcast recently so let's get straight into this here is the interview with Liam Jackson Liam, what I'm thinking of doing is going through your career as a graphic designer from like how you first started out to where you are now. And I hope I'm hoping that story will help some listeners out there. I think it will. So I think probably a good place to start is how did you first get into or first get interested in graphic design? So I think as with many people that you've had on the show before, and I'm guessing the listeners too, it was started drawing as a child. So I was always drawing things like cars. I was designing cars, zoos, characters from magazines, Mario, Zelda, things from computer games. And I was in a fortunate position to have my father 
um, who's now a retired graphic designer, but obviously working at the time. So at home, we had dad's Mac. So I was lucky to be able to use a Mac from a young age. I started using Photoshop at like 13. Dad had a collection of art and design books. So, you know, that's a fond memory of being a child is going through those books and being inspired by them. My mum had a lot of antiques and collectibles around the house. So nice things around me to look at. And we'd often be out and my mum and dad would talk about architecture or art. They'd point things out that had been designed or created. And I guess that gave me a, a trained eye from a young age. Yeah. Um, and obviously my dad would come home and show me work. So I looked up to him a lot. Um, and it's amazing to see something that he's designed is then in his hand, whether it be a brochure, you know, a leaflet um, or poster or something like that. And I was quite lucky as well that when I was in primary school, I was able to help him with a project. So he worked at a local council and there was this children's initiative to help underprivileged children in the borough. And he was sat at work trying to do child's typography for the logo because that's he wanted that aesthetic. And I think he just kind of gave up and came home and was like, Liam, why don't you do this? Um, so, yeah, as a young child, to be able to do something like that and then see it out in the world, that really sparked something yeah, in me. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Say, <laughs> yeah. So that was, you know, and then, yeah, just seeing that out in the world was really exciting as a child. And obviously then progressed to high school where I specialized in art and design when we got to choose the options. Art was obviously the traditional drawing and painting. And then in designing technology, we could actually specialize in graphics as well. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't strictly graphic design. I remember one project I designed a car and then I actually did like the 3D model as what the final thing I handed in. And I also did, uh, you know, I don't know about other countries, but in the UK, we do work experience in high school for two weeks. And um, my dad kind of thought about me going to do it with him, but he thought it would be better if I went elsewhere and got, so he had a friend that's a graphic designer as well and owned a studio. So oh, wow. I was able to go there and do two weeks there with them. You know, so, I, I think you were really lucky because I remember when I was at school and, and they got to that work experience point, there were so many people that wanted to get those graphic design positions, but there were so few slots available. So to actually yeah. get one was amazing. Uh, I, I got lucky a little bit because I ended up working for Mitsubishi Motors and yeah. they had different teams and each day they put me in a different team, which was you know cool to do because it meant that each day was slightly different but one of the teams was I don't know exactly what they did but they got me to do some graphic design um, and uh, yeah all they did I don't know what they did for you but because it's work experience and I and I don't really know what I was doing they basically got me all day scanning in pictures from magazines and making posters which was quite fun that's awesome yeah (laughs) what what type of thing was it that you did in in your work experience position so back then there was th- these things called job bags where you'd put everything that was to do with that job in there. So there was it was there was a lot of admin stuff. But I was lucky enough to work on one project for a client which was it was a small say quarter size advert for a, the local newspaper for a hairdresser's. It was probably awful at the time but I think at the time <laughs> I, it was the best. That's thing really ever. cool. It's really cool that they actually gave you that opportunity. Do you, do you know if it actually was real or if they just gave you a real brief but didn't use the work no no it's really it was in the newspaper i don't have wow that's really cool (laughs) but yeah it's really cool to be able to do that as i say especially especially when you think that technically you don't really have any experience at that point um yeah yeah, for, for listeners for clarification when when i did work experience anyway and i think we're a similar age this is usually when you're about 15 so yeah. at that point, in my case anyway, I just didn't have any graphic design experience beyond like paint. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was lucky, yeah, because as I say earlier, my dad had a Mac. So yeah. I'd started using Photoshop at 13. So yeah, I think that's, they could see that I had some skill there. Obviously, they had a lot to do with it as well. It wasn't just, here's the brief, work on it and it's done. Um, yeah. They obviously helped out a lot. But that was, yeah, it was really cool to be able to work on something like that at that age. 
Um, well, it was nice of them to give you that opportunity because they could have just had you shredding paper every day and, you know, making tea and doing like the odd uh, jobs. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you were very lucky. They did say that. They did say, I remember them saying, we won't take advantage of you. You will learn something. So, yeah, I guess I don't know whether that was because it was my dad's friend or, but, you know, it was it was a great experience for someone of that age. And, you know, there was other people that were in Tesco filling filling up shelves. So, yeah, I was lucky, like yeah. you said. Well, it's intended as, you know, it is what it is. It's work experience. And uh, they were probably really lucky, actually, that you had um, that training from your dad. And then yeah. you had that exposure to graphic design. Because uh, I know... Um, I listened to a podcast that you did with Kaz and your dad. You had your dad on the podcast and I can see that you obviously picked up a lot from him and look up to him. And, uh, you know, I I, I don't know if this is is the case, but I can imagine that if your dad didn't have that influence on you, you probably wouldn't be a graphic designer today. I'd say that's probably true. Yeah. I think it definitely had big influence on me. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So you ended up going to university. Um, so I've got down on my notes that you went to London Metropolitan University. So after high school and that work experience, I went on to college right. for three years in where I grew up in Southport um, and specialised in graphics for the last year there, which was a foundation course. Then I actually had a break from education. Well, that's half a lie because I started a degree after college in Liverpool and the course was a graphic arts course it was called graphic arts and when I went for the interview the the course was called graphic arts because it was supposed to be 50-50 graphic design and illustration but when I went for the interview I said would I be able to do mainly graphic design and they said yes so I did start the course but when I got there I quickly learned that that wasn't the case and it was very much 50-50 and I didn't really enjoy the illustration side right plus there was personal stuff going on in my life so at that point I decided to leave so I was out of education for six years right and during that time I focused on music for a bit I was you know doing music production making songs I was DJing on radio and things like that so I was still doing some design on the side for friends and family and for fun um and during that time I also moved down to London so London was somewhere that I used to visit and I'd go and stay with my uncle uh, during my teenage years and I just loved London so from that point in time I always had it in my head someday I want to move to London so I kind of took this break in education to take that opportunity and and just for the opportunities that a city can bring as well because being from a you know, a small, medium town, I could see the opportunities that London would have for design and music. So whichever avenue I went down. Um, so when you when you took that break from university, I, I think this is probably a good thing to um, put some focus on because you, you grew up with graphic design, uh, you know, being exposed to it. You was lucky enough to get, you know, that work experience, Mm-hmm. And then you ended up going into some, you know, further studies where I think 50% of it being graphic design sounds like a good good course, you know, especially to learn more about it and to develop in that. Um, but you decided that you would drop out. How long was that for again? Was it six years? It was quite a length of time. So, yeah, so I left college in 2003 and started a course in the September 2003 right so it's basically straight out of college I only did one semester there how long say semester is that a year no um three months three yeah so it's a very short length of time and and the in terms of the reason for dropping out from that was it purely because you didn't enjoy the illustration side I know you said that you had some personal stuff going on as well but did you at that point know that you would go back into education at some point or did you just decide I've had enough of this and just you just wanted to do something different I think I knew I think in the back of my mind yeah I did know that I would probably go back but I had music was kind of something that I 
wanted to experiment with as well mm-hmm. kind of the DJing and music production side so so I guess to some degree there was some uncertainty as to exactly what you wanted to do yeah I think looking back I was young and maybe a bit indecisive about what I should do which I don't think is a bad thing looking back do you feel that you was pigeonholed into graphic design because of your dad's background and experience do you you feel that you was sort of pushed in that direction no 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 way my my parents never you know forced it upon me like my brother's not a creative my sister's not a creative so I'm kind of the only one so my parents are you know quite chilled so I yeah I would have been able to do they would have supported me whatever I wanted to do yeah that's cool it's good yeah so so you had that gap where you were experimenting with things spending time in London I guess finding yourself yeah I had like various jobs in London um in terms of first job when I when I moved to London I had 500 pound in the bank and I had my first job was handing out newspapers at train stations there was a newspaper called the London Light back then which was like a free free thing they used to hand out then I worked in warehouses and then I got a job working in Sainsbury's and I ended up working there for nine years and ended up in the head office. Oh, wow. Um, so what kind of thing was that doing? Cause usually when I think Sainsbury's, I think, um, you know, the entry point job where, you know, working on the tills and, um, working in the warehouse, stacking the shelves and stuff like that. Was it that kind of job or was you doing something related to graphic design in some way? No, f- the first, first job I had was a Christmas temp job. So I didn't expect to be there for nine years. I thought mm-hmm. I was just going to be a Christmas temp. Um, and I was actually outside working with the Christmas trees. Hey, right. <laughs> customers would choose the Christmas tree. I would put it through the net and hand it off to them. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I, then I moved to in-store and worked stacking shelves. I worked on the bakery for a bit. And then I worked in stock control. And then I worked in merchandising. And my managers always were pushing for me to become a manager. But I knew that working in retail was not something that I wanted to do forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it was okay for the time being. Um, I could work, go home and not think about it. But I knew that I didn't want to pursue a career in that, even though some of my seniors maybe could piece, could see, maybe my seniors could see potential in me. Yeah. I know looking on your LinkedIn, Yeah, I don't know if it was at that same time, but it sounded like a graphic design position of some sort that you ended up getting into. Was that during that nine years as well? Yeah, exactly. So within those nine years, I started my degree at 25 and then graduated when I was 28, but all the way through my so before my degree, I was working full-time for Sainsbury's. And then during right. my degree, I was part-time. And then when I finished, I went back to full-time until I found a job. And I did an internship in between in between getting the, the uh, job at the head office. Hey, right. Uh, we, we have a similar background in that sense because I how I got into graphic design, I didn't go to university like you did. I worked for a medical company where I started in the warehouse and then ended up getting promoted to the I I became like a team leader and then I got promoted to the office and then a small part of that was doing graphic design and I got into it that way but yeah I, I always find it interesting and I always think it's worth speaking about these things because people don't always realize how difficult it is to actually get into graphic design. You have to go through all these different things in order to get to a point where that opportunity does come up. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, so you you mentioned a few things there. Um, So you mentioned about getting an intern placement. Mm -hmm. Again, based on your LinkedIn, you was really lucky to get an intern placement at MNC Saatchi. which for any listeners that aren't aware of them, it's a huge marketing agency. Is that the intern placement that you're talking about here? Yes. Right. Okay. So how, how did you get that? Tell us, tell us more about that. (laughs) I, so I'd finished uni earlier on that year 
and was obviously applying for jobs. So I was still working at Sainsbury's. I was actually working on the meat and fish counter then in Camden. Right. And it got to around September and I was obviously still looking for work. And just, I think, a point there to say younger designers, be patient, um, like you just said, when you're... Yeah, I mean, you know, I, was hoovering, I was hoovering flies in the, in the window in, at the beginning of my career. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a job. Yeah. And, and um, you know, it, it takes time for you to be trusted and to be respected within yeah. an organization. And you do, I mean, some people get lucky, but in general, you, you need to earn that trust within Definitely. an organization. And, you know, like you did with the Sainsbury's position, it sounded like you got promoted to all these different things where yeah. um, you got trusted with things. And then, you know, eventually you got to where you are now through hard work <laughs> I get yeah I think it's hard work and also being in the right place at the right time I guess knowing the right people yeah and letting people know that you are a designer and that's what you want to do at heart um yeah. people like that so yeah you know for clarification when I got my position even though the actual original job was working in a warehouse I did say in the interview that I would like to be a graphic designer one day and yeah. they helped me with that, which was really nice of them to do. And, you know, if I didn't mention that then, yeah. I don't think I would be where I am now. Um, because a lot of those early, a lot of the opportunities that I've had through my career have all stemmed from, um, you know, those original opportunities. Yeah. So I was searching on a job site and I saw this internship at MNC Saatchi and I'd already heard of them. And I was like, wow, that would be awesome. Like that would be so cool to do that. Um, one thing to mention is I'd recently updated my CV from something that was very simple and typographic to uh, infographic style. And I don't mean like a cheesy, you know, you see those cheesy CVs that have got like bar charts. I, <laughs> I know Photoshop a hundred percent. It wasn't like that. It was just nice and simple, but easy to digest information. And you'll find out why I mentioned that now, but I remember being at work um, at Sainsbury's on the meter fish counter and I went for my break and checked my phone. I had a voicemail, listened to it, and it was MSC Saatchi to say that I'd been chosen and that I need to call them back. <laughs> so I remember being so excited. I was nervous as well because, you know, and it just didn't seem real. Yeah. Um, so I called them back. Luckily, it was real. And, yeah, started soon after. And on the first day, we went out for lunch. They took me out for lunch and... I asked them why they chose me and they said on the first day that they put the advert out, they had over 200 applications. And so they, after the first day, they stopped taking the applications and they said they basically whittled it down to two people, me and someone else. And to make the final decision, they printed out the CVs and put them on a table and they got other people from other departments to come and choose who they thought should get the internship wow. <laughs> and mine got the most votes so it definitely goes to show that that cv that i'd updated definitely had oh yeah it sounds like it was hands down the one thing that got you the uh position yeah. <laughs> like there wasn't an interview or anything it was basically send us a cv cover letter and obviously i had a website portfolio at the time from when i'd graduated yeah it goes to show how important that CV is in some situations. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think you should experiment with the way you apply for jobs, whether that's your CV, your portfolio. Um, that's it. Because I felt like I wasn't getting enough replies. You know, you'd apply for so many jobs and you wouldn't, sometimes you wouldn't even hear back. Yeah. And I thought <laughs> there's got to be something I can do to make people you know, to grab people's attention more. And it obviously worked. So if there are people out there, I guess, younger or anyone applying for jobs, try and try and experiment and just see what gets a reaction. Yeah, um, I, I do think it's worth saying when applying for jobs, especially in a city, there is so much competition. Like you said then that they had received like 200 applications in the first day and basically cut it off. So if you didn't apply in the first day, yeah. no chance, no chance. And the odds of them um, getting back to every single person that applied, 200 plus people, very slim 
that yeah. just pick somebody in and get in touch with them. Yeah. Or, you know, contact a handful of people for interviews. Your uh, situation was uh, different. So my point is, don't feel disheartened when you send a CV and a cover letter to a company. If they don't, don't get back to you, you just have to keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. Yeah. And I think the key is not to give up. Um, like I've seen some young designers send out two letters and then be like, oh, no one's getting back to me. Like <laughs> you have to send hundreds and hundreds of letters and you might not hear back from a single one of them, but you just need to keep trying and cross your fingers. You'll be on the top of that pile. Yeah. And that you're good enough. <laughs> that was definitely my experience. So I 100% agree with that. So how long was you in that uh, intern position at MNC Saatchi? That was three months. Right. So it's a relatively short period of time. Are you able yeah. to share any of like the, the lessons that you learned from that experience? Because that was that's I think that's a massive opportunity for anyone that has an interest in, in graphic design, let alone a, you know, a, a young designer. Yeah. So I guess going back to the CV, think about, you know, that really proved to me that I was doing something right by changing my CV. So think about the way you are applying for jobs. It was very fast paced. If, if I think about uni, we would have, there was one module, we had three months to do three posters. And here something would have to be done in, you know, and finished within days or hours. So going from that un, slow pace of uni to this fast pace was a big shock to the system. As a junior, I realized that you're going to have to do tasks that you might not like, but I think that humbles you. You know, in terms of tasks that I was doing, I can go into, um, there was kind of admin roles where I'd have to take in. So I don't know if you know how it works, but for illustration and photography, if you're an illustrator or a photographer, you might have an agent and those agents will try and win work for you. So we used to get portfolios delivered to us from an agency, but not a, not a design agency, but, and then we might have a rep come from the agency and present that portfolio to us. So they'd be like, oh, this guy is the latest photographer who's hot and doing portraits or this illustrator's got this style that's really popular at the moment. And so one of my jobs was I was in those meetings, meeting those reps, but one of them was to organize the fact that um, sometimes they the rep couldn't come. So I'd have to just organize their portfolio, get into us and making sure it got back to them. Mm -hmm. So admin roles really. Um, and then I did get to work on some pitch stuff for obviously big clients because they're, you know, that's the kind of clients they work on. But I definitely learned going back to the point. Yeah, I definitely learned that you're not going to do tasks that you always like doing. So that definitely humbles you. And it wasn't actually paid for the internship. I didn't get any money for lunch or expenses for travel. But one thing I did think about that was that I was investing my time and it was great for my CV. So I looked at it as I'm giving them my time and the investment is, it's going to be good for my career because I can put that I've done this internship there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know at the um, company that I used to work for, where I was a uh, creative director, anytime you had an intern, you'd have to give them so much time. And I remember having to explain that to one of the interns that we had, you know, that, mm -hmm. that even though you're not making a lot of money from this, the amount of resources and energy that's going towards giving you that support is huge. Yeah. So even though you're not getting paid, I think, that I, I don't know if the laws have changed now, but I think when you do intern placements, you have to get paid or they, they have to cover the expenses and stuff. I think it's so, minimum wage now. Yeah, slightly Maybe. changed from when we were, um, <laughs> when we started out as graphic designers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think it's important to understand that when you are an intern, the company is really giving you so much. So even if it's like unpaid, although things have changed now, you are getting significant value out of it. And like yeah. in your case, you're still, even now, able to put on your CV that yeah. you work for MNC Saatchi and it looks impressive. Yeah. <laughs> even now, even though that was, I don't know how long ago, 20 years. And, <laughs> and it was only still, three months, yeah. Yeah, even though it was only three months, it's of significant value to you. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so 
so when did you actually go back into uh full-time education was that after you did that intern placement no that was that was after so the same year I graduated was the same year I started at MNC Saatchi right so I started as I say I went back to uni at 25 so I that was 2009 so I graduated in 2012 I interrupt this interview for a short message from the sponsor of this episode, The Perfect Match, a game where designers submit mood boards created using Adobe stock assets and earn your chance to play on a game show to win big. As designers, we pitch good vibes and great ideas through visuals all day, every day. But how well does our design work communicate? Do clients and higher-ups really understand the work that we are putting in front of them? Well, let's find out. Test your skills by assembling a brand-inspired mood board using Adobe Stock Images. And if your mood board design is chosen, you will be featured on Adobe's monthly live streaming game show with other designers, art directors, and creatives where the winner goes home with $1,000. It's free to participate in the perfect match and by simply submitting an entry, Adobe will give you a gift for your time. So it's a real win-win. To take part or to learn more, visit theperfectmatch.co forward slash play. So let's get back to the interview. Right, okay. I think it's worth, because we've done about half an hour now, it's worth talking through how you progressed so we've gone through a lot of the early stuff and I think that would be really valuable for uh anyone listening because it's it's I think it's good to know you know from both of our experiences getting into graphic design isn't that easy and you have to do a lot of the grunt work you know you have to do lots of different things to um build up that experience sometimes you might have to do other jobs to have an income still coming in and you can do stuff on the side so at some point in your journey you became freelance or you did freelance because am I am I right you are full-time freelance now yeah yeah so you're you're full-time freelance now and I know you again looking on your LinkedIn you have had a couple of positions so you had that intern placement you did your studies so you you know, you got to a point where you're fully trained graphic designer. Yeah. Um, am I right that you worked for a studio prior to going full time freelance? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, done the internship. Then I worked in house at Sainsbury's, and then I moved to a small design agency. Um, so just for clarification, when you worked for Sainsbury's that time, was that doing graphic design? So. I'm wary of time, but it's, no, so it's, it's fine. quite a long story. <laughs> it's quite a long story. So I say yeah, I was sure. working in store during my degree. I was working in the Camden store and the store manager, Richard, um, started doing these monthly briefing videos and he found out that I could do some basic video editing and he asked me to do them for him. It was, it, they were rubbish. It was like iMovie editing basically. <laughs> um, and they would get played in the canteen. It was a bit of fun, to be honest. We did have a good laugh with it. But he, you know, asked me, why, how come you've got a Mac? How come you can do this? And told him my situation. And he said, well, what the hell are you doing here then? Go and get a job. And I said, you know, I'm trying. And I didn't know, but upstairs, I knew there was a photography studio, but I didn't know it had anything to do with Sainsbury's. I thought it was like a third party company rented it out. And um, he said, you know, there's, there's designers upstairs, don't you? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he said, yeah, they work for, the, they're from the head office, but they've got this space here because it's good size for them to do product photography and things. Um, so he said, I'll make you a deal. If you work seven days a week, you can do one or two days up there and I'll pay you for it. Because he said, they're not going to pay you. I'll take it out of my store's budget. I don't know if I could, I'm supposed to say this on record. But anyway, it's over now. Um, <laughs> So, um, so he said, let's go and have a chat with them. So they, they organized an interview. It wasn't as easy as, yeah, you can start. They did actually interview me and I had to do a task, which was cutting out some product photography 
and making a little banner. I think I had half an hour to cut out a product and then put it on a banner that would go on the Sainsbury's homepage. Um, so yeah, I started there doing the two days a week and yeah, it was going well. And eventually a role came up at head office and, but it wasn't strictly design. It was more of an admin role, like up- uploading content basically to the website. Um, so as you mentioned earlier, when I was, went for the interview, I told them, look, you know, graphic design is what I want to do. Would I be able to do some design for you? And they said, yeah, you know, over time we'll, we'll train you up and get you involved. And I think it goes back to what you're saying as well about, you know, doing the hard work because I could have just sat there and done the uploading and left it at that. But I started to do web banners, just simple things. Um, and I started to do more and more of them. And I think they could say, okay, he can actually do this, which led me to start designing more things like whole landing pages. So I guess at this point, it's good to mention that, yeah, it was, I was working on the .co.uk website. So um, yeah, web-based stuff. Um, And then eventually I got moved on to working on two clothing, which is their clothing website. Um, so yeah, it was just a case of, you know, getting my foot in the door and then mm-hmm. working my way and proving that, you know, I can do design for them. Um, and that opened obviously lots of doors for me and yeah, I just think it's about doing things off your own back and showing that you're passionate and driven and yeah. people see that and they like it and, um, they'll hopefully then give you the opportunity to do that. It's quite yeah. easy to sit back and not you know, so, oh, please, can I do some design? But if you don't actually push for it, you might not ever get it. Yeah, yeah, because I think something that's that's important to raise here is, like, there was a lot of things happening in parallel with this story, and that's why, you know, we've jumped back and forth a couple of times because things were happening at different times and, um, you know, happening in parallel. But um, in terms of actually getting into that job, I think that's a big deal because that if I understand right, that's literally your first proper graphic design job. Yeah. And you wouldn't have had that if your manager hadn't trusted you and believed in you and saw that you were a loyal member of the team. So, you know, all the stuff that you did that we think isn't relevant to the story, you know, the things like, you know, working in the fish part and all these other things, actually they were because if you hadn't done that work, they wouldn't have recognized your capability and your loyalty yeah because he you know it sounds like your boss was pulling some strings to get you into that position yeah and people don't do that unless they trust the person and believe in the person and know that they are loyal so yeah you know being friends with that guy being open and honest about what you want to do you know like well I'll ask you the question do you think that you would have got your next job if you hadn't have had the experience working in like a graphic design kind of team at Sainsbury's I think I would have yeah right um just because they were a not to belittle them or anything because they're great um but they're a small design agency they've they had big clients don't get me wrong um it must have helped in some way though because you yeah it was proven experience yeah no don't get me wrong I definitely I definitely see the value in having like I said before about MNC Saatchi, having, you know, investing my time to get that on my CV, then having a name like Sainsbury's obviously helps your career. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, a big brand in the UK. So, and I think you're absolutely right that, you know, Richard, the store manager, he could have been quite selfish and thought Liam's a great colleague, you know, I want to keep him here for me. But he he went out of his way to help me. Yeah. Um. So I think it's about, I guess it is, it is kind of being lucky and in the right place at the right time, but also showing people that you are passionate and driven about something and they can see that and yeah, they like it and will help you. Yeah. I know I've, I've had these conversations in the past cause I, I've been in positions where I was kind of in the right place at the right time, but actually it's not just that you, you, first of all, you make your own luck. Yeah. So like you were there 
and the opportunity came up and you got lucky really because you know that um that guy was there that was able to open up the open up those doors for you so it's not just about being there at the right time it's that you did all these other things yeah where you could demonstrate that you could do that and um you know people helped you to get where you wanted to go yeah uh, which I think is key really you know you have to tell people what you want to do otherwise you're never gonna or it's going to be a lot harder to get there because yeah. you know we are social beings and everybody at the end of the day kind of supports one another yeah there's so many things within my career I know you said before like we're jumping about but when I was at uni I did an internship there was a module where we had to do an internship mm-hmm. so I did it at Fabric London which was another dream thing for me because when I was at college I used to put uh, fabric artwork in my sketchbooks as reference and research and um, it was because I met a guy Cleo who was living above me when I was at uni he used to sell fabric cds at Camden Market and he was the only person outside of fabric that could sell their compilation cds and I said to him oh fa- no Cleo we've got this module we have to do a work placement and I'd love to do it at Fabric can you help me get in and he said I can give you a contact but that's all I can do I can't make it happen for you mm-hmm. um so I did have an interview I had to show them work it wasn't just a yeah you've got the place so I think yeah like you say it's a, it's networking it's about talking with people and just being being yourself and then people will recognize that you're honest and genuine like you said and they'll help you yeah yeah definitely okay so you had that work at at Sainsbury's um you ended up moving to pre-creative studios at some point so going back to the freelance stuff Mm -hmm. at some point in that journey you decided I want to go full-time independent and work on branding and identity design and all this sort of stuff what made you decide that you wanted to go all in on, on your own? If I can step back a bit. Sure. The, re- the reason I left Sainsbury's was because I was only working on web projects and I really wanted to work on branding and print stuff too. So found the agency, went to work there. And I think I learned a lot there about branding and print. And we also did digital stuff as well. But and I think I learned a lot more of the business side in, within the agency because it was a small team. There was only the two owners, creative directors and myself. So I was dealing with the clients directly. So I learned a lot of the business side. And I think with a lot of designers, I remember even when I graduated, I felt like I wanted to go freelance at that point, but I didn't just because of lack of experience. And I felt like even though I hadn't been in the industry a decade, I still felt like I had enough experience to be able to go freelance and I'd saved up some money. So it just felt like the right time for me. Um, So I did make that jump. And yeah, I'm glad I did. Yeah, yeah. You know, something I always notice with a lot of people, people either take one or two, one of two directions. They either go to university can't get a job and then just end up going down the freelance route and mm-hmm. they kind of bumble along and learn as they go make loads of mistakes mm-hmm. or they go down the route that you and I have where you work for a number of different companies you build up the experience you start to see and observe how they get clients in how they do sales how they do the accounts how they deal with clients like you see all of the ups and downs yeah and it's it's a collection of all this information that you gather you know through your career and um you know that could be 10 years plus worth of experience and then you get to a point where you realize I'm doing so much work if I did that myself, I could earn way more money. Yeah. And you know that how to get the clients, you know how to deal with it. You basically learn everything Yeah. and you can expand on that knowledge in your own free time as well. Cause there's loads of free resources. And I think, I don't know if there was anything personal happening in your life, but one of the reasons why I went full time 
is because I've got a little one and I wanted to be at home full time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, th- there, there's all these different things that can happen in your professional and, and personal life. But yeah, the, the two directions I see is either the do it out of, you know, because you, you need to and you have no choice and you realize actually, you know, this is going well. Or yeah. you get to a point where you just build out the experience, you have a backup of money and you take that leap. Yeah. And it sounds like that that's what you did. Yeah. And I think the other benefit of having industry experiences, you build up contacts along the way. So for instance, when I first went full-time freelance, not anymore, but pre-used me, you know, to, to do work for them. So you do build up, you know, contacts along your journey that, you know, they might work in marketing, they move from one company to another company and they take them with you with them. (laughs) So there's, I think there are lots of benefits to doing it the way we've done it, working through the industry and then going full-time freelance. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there, there's a couple of, um, well, there, there's one question that I'm curious to ask mm-hmm. and I've got the same experience, so it'd be a good conversation to have about. I see graphic design jobs as falling into three categories. They are either in-house positions where you are working for things within the organization there are the agency position where you are um you know doing all the graphic design work for like but for like lots of different clients and it's a little Mm -hmm. bit like a conveyor belt Mm -hmm. and then there's the going down the route where you work for yourself and um you know you you develop your own skills like having the experience that you have and working in the three how do you feel the three differ for you like the pros and cons of each i think in-house can become for me a little repetitive because you're obviously working on the same brand or i I guess if it's say an umbrella company at the same set of brands and probably the same type of work as well over and over yeah i'm just going to quickly interrupt so when i did in-house work one of the big things that I found really valuable is that you could spend a lot more time on stuff mm-hmm. and uh, within the organization you can start to sow seeds for ideas of things that you want to do and see happen yeah so there was some of the stuff that I worked on that were like things that I pitched like I pitched the ideas and I was able to work on those things and I could spend a lot of time on those things just because of the you know the, there's essentially no no budget when it's in-house some yeah. in-house companies do have budgets and they treat the graphic design team like an agency within the company yeah. but in in my position I could spend you know six weeks plus on a project if I needed to or just do it in between other stuff yeah um, but when you work for an agency you just got to get it done so yeah you know the the thing that I found looking back now at some of the stuff in my portfolio my best work was done in an in-house position just because Mm -hmm. somebody was paying me to sit down in that chair and I could just spend as much time as I wanted on those projects (laughs) yeah I was going to say that that is a slower pace to an agency and there can often be more people involved in the project as well so you'd have to get sign off from your team and then that would go to a senior and then they would sign it off and then it would go, you know, it just goes higher and higher. Yeah, there, there's usually a lot of politics because of that as yeah. well. Like I know when I've worked, when I used to work on brochures, sometimes they just took forever yeah. because everybody wanted to get their fingers in it. Exactly. And, <laughs> and the only person really pushing for it to be done quickly would have been the CEO. Yeah. Everybody else, you know, they were paid to have their bums in seats. So exactly. whether it got done this week or next week, it didn't really matter. Um, and I think that's one of the things being in-house. Yeah. So agency, like you said, is a faster pace and you are juggling a variety of, you know, clients and brands. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the the, the advantages course, as well that you definitely. work. Yeah. You work on lots of different things, but you sadly yeah. need to do it a lot faster. Yeah. Because every day feels different, which is for me, I really like change. So that's a good thing. Um, every day feels a bit different. But like you said, the downside is you're juggling lots of different things. Yeah. I used to think about it like um, like a tennis match. Like one client would hit their ball over and then it's like, oh, 
God, I've got to do, do the work. <laughs> you have to try and back. catch them all. Yeah, I used to. I used to describe it sometimes as like pancake flipping. Like yeah. you just get the thing done and flip it over and done. <laughs> like you, you don't. Um, and I know this sounds awful, but because you just need to, like the project comes in, you just need to get it out. So you don't always do your best work yeah. because you're, you're set to a specific time. You just need to get it done. So yeah. it comes in, you, you get it finished. So in my case, you know, I didn't always do my best work, but I got it done to a good enough standard that the client was able to sign it off. Yeah. It's a, a lot of it is down to timelines, isn't it? It's, you, yeah. you, you're not the one deciding what the timeline is. So yeah. I mean, in my, in my case, there were times where I would have like three, four account managers all needing something be, to be done by the end of, end of the day. So it's like, yeah, I can get it done. I can get all of this stuff done, but it's just going to have to be like the first thing that comes into my head, throw it together and done. Yeah. But that's, that's the nature of the beast sometimes working within um, an agency. And, yeah. um, you know, obviously, you know, 90% good enough for people that are perfectionists is probably good enough. And uh, yeah. I feel that's where, you know, how it worked in that case. So, you know, that's, the, I think that's both a pro and con that you can work on really cool stuff. But, you know, the fact that you need to do it quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that that's the downside of it, really. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. And then freelance, I think for me, it's more about lifestyle. Yeah. Um, you can choose when you work when you're busy, when you're not, well, hopefully when you're busy, when you want some downtime, uh, the types of projects you work on, you're kind of in control of your life. And um, I guess the downsides are you don't have the security that you would have in a job. You don't have the perks, the benefits of holiday or sick pay. Um, I know you say about the security, when you work for an agency, it feels secure, but if for whatever reason they don't get projects in that month, yeah, what's going to happen? Obviously, people are going to end up losing their jobs. But when yeah. you work for yourself, you are aware of the situation. So if you know that you need to get a load of work in, you are in control of that, and and you know that. Wait, well, you know exactly where you stand. Yeah, I guess. But in terms of security, I mean, you know, you're going to get. You know, unless yeah, in, in, special, it's you know most likely that you're going to get um, you know, amount, a, a salary amount. coming in each month. Yeah. yeah, and hopefully you get some notice, or if it's not going to go that way. Yeah. Um, but like you said, yeah, you know, you're you, we're in control. So if you need to be busy, you can make yourself busy. Um, that I guess one downside is that it can get quite lonely. You know, if you work from home, work by yourself. So I think it's a good idea to network. You know, that's how we kind of first met Ian is, yeah. you know, I think I reached out to you. And I think we met each other at um, London, one of the London uh, design, festival. design festivals. I think it was when um, Michael, Beirut. Michael Beirut was speaking. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember being really nervous the first time I met you because it was like a fanboy, <laughs> a fanboy I remember that. You're like, Ian, Ian, and you ran yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. Like, who's this? <laughs> and now look at this. Um <laughs> so yeah so someone i work with we do like a virtual office he's i know you've had him on the co uh, podcast recently kaz casamano yeah, yeah. Who you're also friends with and we yeah we do this virtual office thing over skype and i find that really helps i've even started i know you've mentioned it before as well recently about you go into coffee shops and i've started going to the library just to get out and because you can feel very secluded. Well, yeah, I know I I live on my own at the moment. And, you know, waking up and just doing the daily grind, it's really easy when you don't have a manager just to stay in bed. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, become a little bit lazy and, don't, and, and not to have a proper routine. So something I've been doing is my morning routine, not every day, because, you know, going to the co coffee shop every day, the... Uh, it mounts up. Um, but something I do quite frequently is to wake up and my routine, go to a coffee shop and work at a coffee shop in, in the morning. Um, and I'm also in a new town as well. So, you know, it's a good opportunity to get to know certain areas. So at the moment, I'm like trying a different place, you know, each day uh, or each time I, I go. But I, I have found it useful uh, 
you know for networking and just for a change of scenery really is to try like these co-working spaces or to work yeah. in a coffee shop or uh, you know anything like that I think I think there's a lot of options out there so if you are freelance and feeling lonely and isolated is one of your issues there are solutions for that so if you're fortunate to live in a town there's usually co-working spaces where you can rent space or you know there's nice coffee shops and if you don't work in that environment then you know do stuff online um something i saw that that i've seen people do that i think is kind of cool is to have like a hangout where they all come together on zoom but -hmm. you all have to work (laughs) so you you get that accountability so i think when you work for yourself you've got that freedom to find those um solutions to problems I think I think the key is highlighting that there's a problem there and then finding a solution to it. Um, yeah. But when you're working for yourself, you have to figure that out. But when you work for a company, somebody else would have been doing that for you. Um, yeah. So it's just about taking control, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Cool. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, for, I, I find freelance isn't easy. There's a lot of pros and cons to it. Um, but at the end of the day... I don't know what you think. I I like the fact that everything I do, I can use it in some way. Like, yeah. like when I spend time on my website, that's a benefit to me. Uh, but working for an agency, that kind of just gets absorbed into the, uh, you know, into the ether. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I also I also like the fact that you are building an asset for your future. So anything you do, any time that you spend on your organization or any time that you spend on your company, it's always going to be there. And, you know, I see it as like you're creating a platform that's going to indefinitely scale and value. So, um, you know, working for yourself, it's just going to grow and grow and grow and grow. So it's not for everyone, you know, these three options. Um, I I, I do miss working for an in-house company. I do mm-hmm. sometimes miss working for an agency, but, um, you know, working freelance, it's just the freedom to do what you want. So like yeah. us, uh, you know, for listeners, me and, uh, me and Liam, we've known each other a fair amount of time now. So we had an hour catch up prior to this <laughs> and I'm free to, um, chat for that length of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's loads of perks like that, isn't there? It's- times when I've had family come and visit London oh, I'm going to be in London on Friday okay I'll take the afternoon off you know or the day off yeah. um whereas with a job you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to do that yeah I mean as long as you get the work done that's yeah. a priority so you know if you decide to take the day off but you've got a deadline then you're just going to have to sit down and work yeah. in the evening <laughs> yeah but when you, you work still, it doesn't really do matter yeah you still yeah, yeah you, you get the, the uh, work done when it's convenient for you and that's the yeah. real beauty that you don't need to stick to this regime nine five, of yeah. nine to five but there are benefits to sticking to that you know it's, I, yeah. I do think even when you are freelance it's good to have structure and routine otherwise you know you, you get to the point where you're working all the time working 24 yeah. 7 which is not a good uh, situation it's important to make sure that you have those evenings free and the weekends free and holidays and all that sort of stuff um, yeah yeah, I think that's key. I agree 100%, yeah. Because I, I, when I first started, I used to be a bit more lax about what time I would wake up or, and then I'd work late. But it feels a lot nicer to, like you say, have a routine. Sometimes I work in the evenings, don't get me wrong, but I, you know, I can choose to do it then. It's not yeah. like I did, woke up late and then I feel guilty and I have to do it now. It's yeah. a choice. Um, yeah. So definitely routine is a good, is a good thing. Yeah. And I mean, if you've got other things in your life, children, partners, family, friends, Mm -hmm. having that set regime as well, you know that you can make sure to dedicate time to, you know, make dinners and food and Mm -hmm. uh, go to schools and all this sort of stuff. You know, when you make sure that you have that structure and those work times and stuff like that, I, I think it's key. You know, it's you, you you can't just work when you feel like it even no. though that is one of the con one of the pros I, I i feel you need that structure in order to be a to make a success of it yeah so i think um i think it's worth asking you one last thing mm-hmm. so you have a podcast with kaz who's been on the show 
Yeah. Um, so the see-through design podcast. Uh, I know that you guys decided to start that together. How have you found doing that stuff in terms of benefiting you as a, uh, you know, as a freelance graphic designer? Oh, tough one. Um, <laughs> to be honest, we've been doing it just over a year. And I think what the main benefits for me is being able to talk shop yeah, and just get a lot of things off your chest. It's like um, therapy. <laughs> yeah, because that's kind of why we started it. You know, me and Kaz would get on Skype and we'd talk about our day. And that's where the, the idea came from. We thought, why don't we have these chats but record them? Yeah, And then that slowly, you know, progressed into, well, we should get guests on because people don't just want to listen to us ramble on all the time. Um, I think our audience really is other designers. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, maybe my clients have listened to it. I don't, none of them have come forward and said, we love it or we've listened to it. <laughs> um, but maybe they are listening in the background or, you know, maybe potential clients have listened to it as well. I don't know. Um, but I, I think the, be- the other benefits are just networking within the industry. Um, you know, we've met some really cool people along mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. We're actually going to get you on as well. So yeah um, tomorrow <laughs> yeah it's like i'm looking forward to doing that you know so, something i've noticed so um i i've not listened to every episode but i've listened to quite a few of them mm-hmm. and uh something i've seen and i've had the same as well is that i feel it helps you to improve your confidence yeah and I've seen that in particular with you because, you know, you and Kaz, Kaz is way more chatty than you. Definitely. So, you know, in the first ones, it's like the Kaz show with me <laughs> on the side. <laughs> um, but you've kind of developed in your confidence. And uh, yeah, I thought it was worth asking about this because I I think there's a lot of benefits to doing a podcast when you work for yourself because it's good for you like your own personal brand but then there's a lot of other benefits to it as well so you know you've already mentioned about isolation being fairly isolated working for yourself and it helps with that because you are somewhat like if if you've got a schedule every week you're forced to communicate with somebody else yeah and and to you know to have someone to bounce ideas off um but then you know growing confidence confidence is so important as a an independent so if you're somebody that's quite reserved and quite shy it might be worth pursuing you know the uh the creation of a podcast to help you get out your shell a little bit and to you know growing confidence so that when you speak with your clients on the phone you have more authority and you have more confidence to speak to people um but then you know other benefits like getting guests on and all the other stuff is is a lot of fun as well (laughs) yeah I definitely agree with the confidence thing because I was always really bad at public speaking and if you'd have had me on this show before I started uh see-through design with Kaz I would have been so 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 nervous and I think Part of that is because I edit the show, I have to listen back to myself. And I don't know if you get it as well, but just the part of the hearing what you say yeah. <laughs> kind of helps you realize, okay, I, you know, I do actually know what I'm talking about. I do make some kind of sense. Yeah. Um, I know things I've noticed that, uh, especially early on, because I was so nervous, I didn't listen properly. So the questions I would ask back wouldn't necessarily always relate with what they just said because I'd kind of mentally switched off and being able to recognize that I did that. What I did is I started to just write down notes when I thought of something and just focused on what the person was saying. And that's true in real life as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, calls with clients, I make sure that I listen carefully and take notes. So, you know, it's not just about how you speak and, and, what you say and the amount of times you say um uh, or anything like that you do learn a lot about yourself listening yeah. back through editing so that that's that's a really good point what did you just say no i'm joking um, <laughs> can't remember <laughs> <laughs> no, i completely agree because you'd be so concerned about 
what your reply is to something they just said, but you only listen to the first part of their sentence. Yeah. And then you just, yeah, like you say, you completely give a wrong answer. You just go off off on a different road that the conversation shouldn't have gone down. But so that's that's another benefit, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's really good that you guys are doing it. And I know you've been doing it for a year now and you've got a lot of content out there. So I hope listeners will go and check it out. Um, but yeah, we're about the, we've just gone over an hour. Um, and I think we've gone through a lot of stuff in this in terms of your journey. And I'm hope, I hope that, you know, listeners, uh, especially those starting out can see that it's not, it's not easy to get into the graphic design world you do have to work hard and do stuff that you might not necessarily want to do but you know as you can see when you do work hard and and you keep telling people that you want to do graphic design Mm -hmm. people around you will help you to uh, reach that uh, goal and you know you're going to create your own luck uh, by doing that but yeah it's really cool to have you on Liam Uh, it's been a lot of fun so uh, thanks so much for coming on Thanks so much for having me, mate. It's been an honour. Thank you so much, Liam, for coming on. It was really good to properly catch up. So I hope listeners enjoyed this episode as well. So if you want to learn more about Liam Jackson, go and check out his website, liamjacksongraphics.co.uk. I'll link to that along with his social profiles in the show notes for this episode which you can find just by heading to logageek.uk forward slash 128. And don't forget to go and check out the sponsor of this podcast, The Perfect Match, and start working on your mood board design today for a chance to win $1,000. Again, to find that, just head to theperfectmatch.co forward slash play. So thank you so much for listening. And I'll be back the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast.